0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Restoration Church Online and happy Easter. It is here. I am so excited. I will admit though, I hate that we can't gather physically. I wish we could do that, but I'm so thankful that we have the ability to gather today online to still celebrate Easter together and that is good news. I was thinking I want to start out this way. Christians have done this for hundreds of years. One Christian comes up to another on Easter morning and they say, he is risen. And the other person responds and say, He is risen indeed. So I want to ask you to do something a little interactive with, with me right now. As I say to you, as I'm saying to you, He is risen, I want you to respond on the Facebook feed in the comments and type in, He is risen indeed. Let's flood those Facebook comments with this idea that He is risen indeed, because that is why we are celebrating Easter. That is what it is all about, that He is indeed risen from the grave. I was thinking about where we find ourselves in our world right now and some of the uncertainty and the unknown and and the fear and the anxiety. And I was thinking there have been other times in our world and in our history that, that people have dealt with some of these same feelings. And what happens is oftentimes you see that there's a leader who comes and gives a speech and he gives a message of hope. He gives a message to encourage and embolden those who are gonna listen. For example, in 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, a. Lincoln gives the Gettysburg Address and he says, four scores and seven years ago, we have the birth of a new freedom, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people that shall never perish from the face of the earth. In 1940, as Europe is falling to Nazi Germany and Great Britain becomes the last hope for Europe, Winston Churchill gives a speech at the House of Commons And he says, as the British Empire, let us brace ourselves for our duties. Let us brace ourselves for the fight so that a thousand years from now, people will look back at us and say, this was their finest hour. You see, in both of these speeches, they were messages of hope that emboldened and encouraged the people that listened to press on. It was just what the people needed at that time. Have you ever had experience like that? where life is getting difficult, struggling, some uncertainty around you. And what you find you need is you need just a message of hope. You need someone to give you a message that will encourage you and embolden you. I know I've been there. My wife and I had the privilege of running the Madison House Youth Center for seven years. We loved that ministry and had a tremendous opportunity to serve some amazing families in that time. I remember this one year, we had a tremendous amount of growth in the ministry. There was new programs being added, a lot of volunteers, a lot of families being plugged in. And and I remember I just felt like I can't keep up with everything that is on my plate. I remember talking to my boss and saying, hey, we need another staff person. And he said, sorry, Kevin, you're all we got right now. That's all we can afford in the budget. And so I start plugging away at everything I've got going on. I've got fundraising and volunteer training and recruitment and scheduling, and I've got programming to figure out. I've got Bible study and mentoring and tutoring and all these different things happening. On top of what was happening at work, I also had these four little young kids at home and a beautiful wife. And I found myself feeling like I was drowning. There was too much to do and I couldn't get it all done. I was struggling in every area of life. Struggling at work, struggling at home as a father, struggling as a husband. And I remember it led me to being in just this funk for a season, for a couple of weeks. Until one day, I remember one Sunday I walked into church and and God spoke to me through a song. And I remember the song and the lyrics very clearly. The song says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back because I know God is near. It says, I will fear no evil for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, then whom then shall I fear? I can't tell you how many times I'd sung that song before, but on that day, that song was a gift from God. It was a message of peace in the middle of a hard time. It was a message of hope that I was going to get through this that God was going to see me through. It was just what I needed at that time, where I knew I was going to be okay. How about you? Have you ever had that experience where life just becomes overwhelming and difficult? But then maybe you're reading the Bible, and maybe there's a verse that you've read dozens of times before, but for some reason that verse just takes on such a personal meaning, like the words are jumping off the page saying, this is for you. Maybe for you it was a friend who gives you a special word maybe through a phone call or a text message and it's just something that encourages your soul and emboldens you to press on. I love when God does that. In fact as I look at our world right now I think our world needs a message like that. Here we are in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and it is causing uncertainty and doubt and fear and anxiety all over the place and it has so many impacts in our lives. I think about just uh just this last week, the Washington State has announced that schools will be closed for the remainder of the school year. And while that is probably a right decision, that also has a, becomes a difficult decision for many families. As parents are saying, how am I supposed to work and provide for the family when I'm also supposed to provide childcare and homeschool my kids? I know that with the economy in turmoil, people's jobs and livelihoods are at stake. And with the up and down of the stock market, people's retirement accounts are at stake. Beyond that, when we turn on the news to try and figure out what's happening, does anyone get tired of hearing the political jostling? Of the political sides pointing fingers about how everybody else is wrong and how they are right and they are the answer? And the coronavirus doesn't just affect our world, it affects us on a very personal level. Thinking about some dear friends of ours, a family that we love very dearly the patriarch of the family, passed away a month ago. This was a father of eight kids, a husband of 59 years, a friend, a confidant. And because of the restrictions of coronavirus, this family has not been able to grieve in the normal ways in that season. Thinking about those of us, uh, those that have relational tensions, those become intensified in seasons like this. I heard this week that the divorce rate for this month versus this month last year is three times as high that domestic violence is on the rise because when you have these relational tensions, they are intensified in seasons like this. I also know that for some people, without having that consistent schedule and routine and rhythm that they had built into their life, that some of the addictions that they've worked hard to keep at bay are now creeping back into their lives. The reality is, I know some of you are listening and saying, man, the coronavirus has not resulted in that fear and anxiety in my life. But if we're going to be honest, for some of us, coronavirus has revealed that maybe we have a little bit of a hard heart. We lack a little compassion. That maybe we have a critical spirit. And for some of us, we're saying, man, I've got bigger problems than coronavirus. I've got things that are weighing me down and I feel all alone. See, it's in the middle of all of this. It's in the middle of this life that we need a message of hope. We need the message of Easter that says despite how you feel right now, whether that be confusion or struggle or disappointment or anxiety, despite how you feel right now, that today we can experience a living and eternal peace and hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the good news of Easter. So today if you have a Bible, I want want to invite you to open to John chapter 20. We've been in a series the last couple of weeks that we've called Rhythm and Redemption. We've had some conversations about how do we operate when our rhythms of how we live our life and have a sense of normalcy have been thrown upside down. We've talked about how we grieve through that. And today I'm excited to be able to deal with this idea of redemption. How when we're in that season when things feel like they're upside down and there's an uncertainty, that oftentimes God brings this tremendous redemption. And that's my prayer today, is that God would begin to redeem some of what the coronavirus is taking away from us. That God would bring redemption into our hearts and into our lives. So as we start out this morning in John chapter 20, I want us to see how the disciples responded to the death of Jesus. It says in verse 19, it says that evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were because they were afraid of the Jews. This is on Easter day. They're locked away because there's this fear. And for us to understand this, we need to think back to what we know about the disciples, what scripture teaches us about the disciples. These disciples had followed Jesus for three whole years, yet they never really got what Jesus was all about. They never understood his mission. You see, Jesus, or excuse me, the Jews, they were waiting for a Messiah for hundreds of years. They were waiting for the Savior to come that was going to free them. And they believed that the Savior was going to be a political Messiah. They believed he was going to be a political king who would overthrow Roman oppression uh, in that area. And so here Jesus comes, and Jesus calls these disciples to follow him. And the disciples are looking at Jesus and saying, listen, he claims to be the Messiah, And they're looking at him and saying, look at the miracles he does. Look at the way that he teaches. This has got to be the Messiah. They were still anticipating the political Messiah. Despite the fact that Jesus continued to teach them, listen, the reason I'm coming is so that I can suffer and give my life and and die for people and then be resurrected from the grave. In fact, my favorite example of Jesus teaching this was in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew says, uh, it was necessary Jesus says it was necessary that I go to Jerusalem and I suffer at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and the rulers of that day. He says it's necessary that I suffer and that I die and I rise again on the third day. And the Apostle Peter, who was the loudest of all the apostles, of the disciples, he was the one who uh, was still anticipating a political Messiah. And a political Messiah does no good if he's dead. And so he says, Jesus, he says, Jesus, no way, no way. I' happen to you. I'm never going to let them kill you. And Jesus responds and says, "Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's will and God's plan and what God needs to accomplish, you're only thinking about what you want. The disciples never quite understood the mission for why Jesus came. And so that brings us fast forward up into the Easter story, where Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. and as he's leaving the garden, he is arrested. And what do you think the disciples do? They run, they flee. Again, if they're looking for a political messiah, there's no benefit in having their political messiah arrested. So they run and flee, and Jesus is brought before the rulers to be tried and questioned. And Peter, uh, we love Peter, he wants to kind of follow along and hear what happens to Jesus. So he's hanging back, trying to stay off so he can be disguised, but still overhear what happens to Jesus. The little girl comes up and says, hey, I recognize you. You're, you're one of Jesus' followers. And Peter, three times, denies even knowing Jesus. Can you imagine what that would have been like for Jesus? To be suffering and humiliated and look over and see one of his best friends deny him three times. Those rulers condemn Jesus. They hang him to a cross where he dies. And at that moment, for those disciples, their world came crashing down. Hope was completely lost. For those disciples, they had given everything to follow Jesus. They had this anticipation that Jesus was their political Messiah. And they spent most of their time jostling to try and figure out who's going to have the highest position of authority, who's going to be vice president next to Jesus. And now they're looking to say, we gave everything for this man. We left our careers behind, we left our families behind, and now he's dead. They would have been saying, what a waste. We wasted all this time and energy following him. How embarrassing for us that we have done this. How foolish are we, forgiving our lives and trusting that this man was the Messiah. And that takes us to Sunday morning. Mary comes running up to the disciples, and she's as giddy as a teenage girl who just got back from a Jonas Brothers concert. And she says, Guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. The tomb is empty. And the disciples say, no way. That is not possible. But John chapter 20 says that Peter and John, they run to the tomb, and sure enough, they find the tomb empty, and they're like, what does this mean? And the text says that they went back to the house that they were staying in. And that is where we, that is where we find the disciples in John chapter, 9, John chapter 20. They are confused. Are we still supposed to be angry that we gave our lives to follow Jesus? Maybe we're supposed to grieve his loss. Maybe we're supposed to actually believe it's true. He rose from the grave. And they're thinking, if that is true, man, Jesus is going to be mad at us because of the way that we've acted the last couple of days. They've got to be thinking about, well, what about the enemies of Jesus? If they killed him, what are they going to do to us? And if Jesus really rose from the grave, what are they going to do next to him and to us? And here they have all this... Confusion and fear and struggle. And that's where verse 19 of chapter 20 picks up. John twenty nineteen says, Jesus came suddenly and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And the disciples were glad. They rejoiced because they recognized this was the resurrected Savior. As Jesus stands among them, he offers them a word. Not a word of condemnation, not a word of anger, not a word of disappointment, a word of hope. He says, peace be with you. Jesus is aware of their failures. He's aware of their fear, their anxiety because of what's happening in the world. And he offers them a message, a word of care, a word of concern, a word of love, a word of acceptance. He says, peace be with you. Hope be with you. In fact, I would say that's probably the word that we need in our day and age and our world right now. We need a word of concern, of love, of care, of acceptance. We need to know that God is aware of our fear and our failures and our anxiety because of what's happening in our world. We need to know that God offers us today a message of hope, of peace, when He says, Peace is with you, hope is with you. Let me ask you this, how many other people offer you peace? In fact, actually I think a lot of people are offering us peace right now. People are saying you will have peace if you wear a mask. People are saying you're gonna have peace if you wear the right kind of mask. People are are saying you're gonna have peace if you quarantine yourself and lock yourself away for nine and a half months people are saying, you're going to have peace if you take this right supplement. You'll have peace if you forget all of that and just live your life. And while all of those things can be helpful, I find none of those things actually offer us any peace. In fact, for me, they give me a little bit more anxiety, hoping I do the right things. And what about hope? We consistently hear that there is no end in sight. And even when people try and and give us a glimpse of it, it's just a glimpse of hope. It's not the real thing. And it's not just peace in regards to the coronavirus. People offer us peace in our personal lives. They'll say, hey, Kevin, if you want peace, then you need to have enough money. If you have enough money, then you'll have peace. You know, if you have the right relationship, the right man, the right woman, then you'll have peace. And if you don't have the right one, just set that one aside and find a different one. You'll find peace if you look just right. You'll find peace if you hang out with the right people, the influential people, the powerful people. You'll have peace if you become a social media influencer and have a lot of people praise you on social media. They say all sorts of things like, you'll find peace if you live the vegetarian lifestyle. You'll find peace if you live the indulgent Big Mac lifestyle. You'll have peace if you live the lifestyle where you have this freedom of sexual expression. But Let me ask you an honest question. How many of those things have actually brought you peace? Because what I find when I pursue those things, I have to fight to justify why those things bring me peace. I have to work really hard to defend the peace that I think I earn by living that lifestyle. I have to work really hard to continue to feel that peace. And if we're being honest, we would say, that's not peace at all. And here, the midst of the disciples being overwhelmed and confused and scared and afraid and anxious, here's Jesus, who was dead and is now alive. He offers them a message of good news. He says, peace is with you. Hope is with you. You see, peace and hope is not a feeling. They are a person, and that person is Jesus. And I know when we hear this, we begin to wonder, well, how is he good news for us? How is He our peace and our, our hope? The answer comes from First Peter chapter one. First 1 Peter 1:3 1, says, "Blessed be our God, the Father of the Lord Jesus. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because of the resurrection, he says, "We have been born again." That term doesn't mean that we become a religious person. It doesn't mean that we start going to church. It means that we actually have an active relationship with Jesus. That we have surrendered our lives to Him, to follow Him. And so that text says that because of the resurrection, that we can be born again to a living hope. Not a maybe hope, not a glimpse of hope, but a living, active, real hope that is available to us today. And so here we are in the middle of coronavirus and all of our struggles and our fear and our anxiety. We wonder, well, how is Jesus our living hope? How can we be assured that his resurrection gives us hope? That answer comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The apostle Paul speaking about the resurrection of Jesus. He says in verse 54 that death has been swallowed up. He says, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? He says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through Jesus. And you know what the worst thing that can happen to you is? It's not coronavirus. It's not not sickness. It's not money problems. It's not relational problems. The worst thing that can happen to you is death as a result of sin. And Jesus died and rose from the grave. So that death no longer has the last word. So that death no longer wins. And so God, through the resurrection of Jesus, has defeated death and Satan and hell and and all the worst that the world could throw at us. God has defeated it through the resurrection of Jesus. And so here's Jesus, the one who defeated all of those things. He comes to the disciples. He says, listen, peace is with you now. I am with you. Hope is with you now because I am with you. That the one who has power over sin and Satan and death and coronavirus and fear and suffering and struggle, he is alive with you. And that is our peace. That is our hope. That is available for us, every one of us today. That is the message our world needs. That is the message our city needs. That is the message that you and I need that in the middle of our confusion and fear and pandemic and struggle, we need to know that peace is not found in our comfort. It's not found in our circumstances. It's not found in, in any of those things. They're not bad, but peace is not found in those areas. Peace and hope are found in Jesus, the one who has power over death, the one who brings new life, The one who redeems broken things, the one who restores broken people. Hope is not found in our circumstance, it's found in Jesus. And that is a true and living hope because he walked out of the grave. And that is the message of Easter that Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. He died and was buried, and he rose three days later. And because of that resurrection, our lives no longer have to be characterized by death and coronavirus and suffering and failure, now our lives can be characterized by peace and hope because we have the resurrected Jesus with us today. I'm going to close with a story. Oftentimes I get this weird insomnia where I can't sleep at night, so I begin to read about history, what, some of my favorite topics. I read this a while ago that there's a point down in the very... Fur- furthest point of South Africa and on the east side of that point there is known for being this area with these raging storms in the sea and sailors on the east side of that point, excuse me, on the west side they were afraid to sail their ships uh, across that point to the, to the east side because they, they didn't know any ship that had sailed there and returned safely. And so they called that cape, they called it the Cape of Storms, as a reminder hey, don't sail over there because it is so dangerous and the circumstances are so difficult, you might not return home. Then in the 16th century, there was a Portuguese explorer. He said, I got this. And he set sail, he sailed around that point and he sailed through the raging storm and he made it and he found these calm seas, and he sails through the calm seas, and he finds the shores of India, and the world opens up to him. And he sails back, and he goes back to where he came from, and he tells everybody, Hey, I survived! I made it! Here's what I found! And that changed that cape from that point forward, where no longer was that cape known as a cape of storms, now it was known as a cape of good hope. You see, until Jesus rose from the grave, our world was known as a world of storms, where our hope would be lost because of our circumstances, where death reigned. And no one knew what was beyond the point of death. Until that Easter morning, when Jesus walked out of the grave, securing our victory over death, now, like those explorers, we can see beyond the storm, We can see beyond the coronavirus. We can see beyond death. We can see beyond suffering. We can see the hope of heaven. The hope of eternal life with God. Today, because of that, we can experience what those disciples experienced 3,000 years ago. We can experience peace. We can experience hope. And it's not a feeling. It's a person who was dead and is now alive. A person who walked out of the grave and promises to be our peace and promises to be our hope. So now our world is suffering and hurting and there's confusion reigning. We need a message of hope. We need the message of Easter. We need to know that we are born again to a living hope. An active real present hope that is available to us today to encourage us to embolden us so we know that we will get through this listen your circumstance might not change but your life does not have to be defined by the cape of storms by the cape of coronavirus by the cape of failure by the cape of suffering through the resurrection of Jesus your life can be known as the cape of peace the cape of hope I want to invite you from the comfort of your living room, every one of you, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Would you just bow your head with me and listen to these words? See, according to Jesus, our greatest problem is the fact that we are separated with God because of our sin. That is the root of all of our problems. But God, because he loves you, sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and then to rise victorious to save you to be your peace to be your hope and the good news is that John chapter 1 verse 12 says that that all who did receive him who believed in his name that he gave them the right to become the children of God and Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus has risen from the grave that we shall be saved listen today Today is a defining moment for some of us, for some of you. Your life has been defined as the Cape of Storm, the Cape of anxiety. But today, will you place your faith in Jesus and now allow your life to be redefined as the Cape of peace? and the Cape of Good Hope? Listen, if you are ready for that, I invite you just to pray this prayer with me. And say, God, today I tuned in with fear and confusion and doubt and struggle. But God, today, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Today, I receive your offer of love and salvation. Today, God, I am made right with you, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done in my place on the cross. God, today, I surrender into a relationship with you. And today, I want to experience your real peace and your hope. God, I ask these sings in your name amen. Listen, as your eyes are still closed, listen, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you open your eyes and just look at the TV screen and just look at me. Listen, today you might not have all your answers answered or all your questions answered. You might not have your circumstances changed, but I can tell you what, today your sins have been forgiven in the eyes of God. Today you have been made complete in him. Today, Jesus has become present in your life. He has become your peace. He has become your hope. He has made you a new creation. And I want to be the first person to welcome you into the family of God. Welcome. I'm so excited for you. I want to ask you, would you do this for me? Would you just, if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, In the comments of Facebook would you give me the emoji of a thumbs up I want to celebrate with you the fact that you have been now become a part of the family of God and as you do that let me just close in prayer God we thank you for what you have done here today we thank you for these lives that will be changed by placing their faith in you God we praise you that you have walked out of the grave defeated everything to become our living hope become our peace God, we celebrate that. We celebrate that this Easter. God, we love you and we praise you and we ask this in your name. Amen. And right now, I want to invite you from the comfort of your living room. Would you celebrate with us today the fact that death has been arrested, the tomb is empty, our freedom has been secured.